The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Well, welcome to you. Thank you for that welcome. It's, it's great to be with you. Let's, and also a big welcome to those of you who are joining us online, either in Leicester or Cafe Church or in London. Uh, also, people just checking in online. Guys, why don't we just welcome them as they join with us today? We're really glad you're here with us. And welcome to part four of this series, looking at some of Jesus' parables about the kingdom of God. Now, right from the start, I want to remind you about two key things, the kind of foundation for our time together. Um, What are parables? Well, they are stories with intent. What is the kingdom of God? Where it's wherever Jesus is ruling and reigning. Therefore, when we talk about these kingdom parables, what are we talking about? We're talking about stories with intent about the good rule and reign of King Jesus. And today, kind of for simplicity's sake, I want to kind of narrow that phrase, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, today to mean Jesus. And I want you to imagine that he is the one, in fact you don't have to imagine, he is the one who embodies the whole of the kingdom. That whatever you see in the king, you're also going to see in the kingdom. So if you get the king, you also get the kingdom thrown in with it. Now I want to ask first of all, what was Jesus' intent in telling these two parables or these two stories? Well let me remind you of them, let me summarize them for you. We have two men. Uh, one of them, I'm going to call him the laborer, and he's just going about his everyday business, walking across a field when he stubs his toe on a treasure trove. The other guy, he's a merchant, probably a rich guy, uh, and he's been on a search all of his life. When one day he finds a pearl that's so amazing, it's more wonderful than any other pearl he's ever found. Both of them have, if you will, a life-changing experience. Where from the moment where they encounter this treasure and this pearl, everything changes from that moment. And in effect, what they're saying is when you, you find this, you find life so much so that you want to go and sell everything you've got in order to get this treasure, get this pearl, because nothing else compares to it. Now, I, I want to kind of start with a, a question. I want you to imagine, and this is imagine, okay, it's not real. But if I was to say to you, okay, I've got something that um, it's going to cost you a thousand pounds. I want to give it to the first person who can get that money to me, but it must be in cash. Now, I hope the first thing you're thinking now is, well, what is it? What is the thing that's going to cost me a thousand pounds? Now, I'm guessing if it was this, if it was a wooden spatula, most of you would be like, well, probably all of you would be, no, I don't think so. Now, if you are interested in a thousand-pound wooden spatula, then um, just email me and catch me online sometime. But let's say it wasn't a wooden spatula. Let's say it was instead the latest Aston Martin uh, DB11 that comes free to you with free insurance and fuel for life. How many of you might be interested in that? How many of you might say, I'm out of here. I'm just going to go and get the cash. 
You might even think about selling one or two things. And, and I would imagine that what you'd be thinking about is not the cost of selling those things, but can I get there first in order to get that car? How many of you agree that's what you'd be doing? You'd be going selling everything for joy. Here's the thing. That's what Jesus is encouraging us to get out of his two stories. That when you get the kingdom of God, when you get Jesus the king... You will want to sell everything else in order to have him because he is so valuable, he's so good, he's so kind, he's so powerful, he's so strong, he's so reliable. Nothing else you can ever have could possibly compare with him. And that, that's the core of what Jesus is saying here today. Now as we look at these parables, I want to share with you uh, three reasons why Jesus is encouraging us to make Jesus the King the greatest treasure in our life. And I know for many of you, you've already done that. You've already said, Jesus, I'm making you number one in my life. And my prayer for you today, wherever you are, is that you'll have a great, you'll actually encounter Jesus while I'm speaking, and there'll be a fresh joy and passion for him that will rise up within you, and that whenever you leave, wherever you are, you'll go out with a new hunger and a new love for him. But for, the, for those of you here who've never, ever made a, a choice to say, Jesus, I want to make you my greatest treasure, my prayer for you is that today, may, maybe like the laborer, you'll bump into the King of Kings and you say, he's so good, he's so wonderful, I want to give my life to him today for joy. So here we go. Number one, first reason why I want to encourage you to make Jesus your greatest treasure is number one, Jesus meets our greatest need. I, I sometimes think it would be cool to be able to interview uh, some of the people who appear in the Bible. And I'm aware that the story Jesus is telling us is, is, is a story of fiction, but it'd be quite fun, I think, to interview the laborer. And I'd, I'd want to ask him, what difference did it make to your life to find and then come to own that treasure trove? You know, what was your life like before and after. And I'm pretty sure what he would say is the discovery of that treasure was the single greatest turning point in my life. And if you looked at my life before and after, it's like day and night, dark and light, my life completely changed in that moment. And that one of the reasons, I think he'd have many, but I think one of his reasons for that was he'd say, from that moment on, I was able to pay off all of my debts and live free and free completely from those things. Now, I wonder if I was to ask you today, what is your greatest need? I wonder what your answer would be. If uh, you'd asked me that question when I was a teenager, um, then I'd have had a bunch of responses. The first would probably have been uh, to get Leeds United to the top of the first division. Um, another answer might have been to get through my A-levels. Maybe to get me a great job or get me a wife. I don't know, it would have been one of those. Then at age 17, much like the laborer in this story, I stumbled into Jesus. The King of Kings, who was actually there all the time. I've been to church many, many times. I was raised in a Christian family. And yet, suddenly one day, I bumped into grace. I bumped into Jesus. And I realized... My greatest need was none of those things. Actually, it was to get a brand new start in life. It was to find forgiveness for my sins, a cancelling of the debt that I owed God and other people for all the damage that I was causing to him, myself and others, to have a new life, to have a new power come into my life and to find purpose. 
Listen to what Peter says. He says this, he says, Christ suffered for our sins once and for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. Now, I I don't know, how, how, how do we best describe what was it like for that laborer to suddenly go from that situation. And a, a few weeks ago, I, I've had an experience in my life which kind of gives me a reminder of what that's like. Now, just so you're aware, um, in the last couple of years, I've entered a new decade of life. I'm not going to tell you what that decade that is. Uh, other than that, you need to know I've recently been receiving uh, catalogues for Saga Holidays. Um, and I'm about to become a grandparent. Come on, in Jesus' name. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, But then actually in that season, something happened a few weeks ago where it felt like suddenly, but it wasn't suddenly, my wife and I, by the grace of God and by the diligence of my wife, we suddenly realized we'd paid off our mortgage. Gone completely, debt demolished. Now, what's that got to do with finding treasure? Well, because for me, that moment, as I kind of thought about what does it mean to have your, your mortgage paid off? Well, it means... I've got an end to that 30 years of every single month paying off that debt, that that nagging thing. How wonderful to look at that statement and see it's got a big, fat, hairy zero in it. I owe nothing left. And also to be set free from the tyranny of the bank. Actually, it's a very good bank. But anyway, a bank that for 30 years has owned a bit of me. Also to say, now I've got ownership of that house. I can do what I like with it. No longer belongs to that bank. It belongs to me. Now, here's the thing. When you encounter grace, it's far, 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 far greater than having your mortgage paid off. Your debt before God, however big it is, however much you've sinned and done stuff wrong, however much damage you've done, it can be forgiven in an instant. Jesus paid for that, not in little installments over a period of time, but in one go to the greatest cost of anything that's ever happened in the history of the world. Jesus paid your debt so you can be debt free. So you can have a a zero account in your balance, though actually it becomes a positive account because you get in Christ and he becomes your representative before the Father. The power of the Holy Spirit comes to live in your life. You're a brand new person. There's a new beginning for you. Your life has changed. That's what it means to encounter grace, find purpose, have your life changed with Him. Now I want to ask you today, have you had your debt paid off? Have you had that moment of bumping into grace where whether you've been seeking after it for a long time like the merchant or suddenly when you weren't expecting it, you knew you'd encountered the one who is the great pearl above all others, the greatest treasure a human being can find. I want to say if you've never found that, find it today. Why not at the end of our service, wherever you are, invite Jesus in your life to be your king. What about the rest of us? Are you living in the good of what Jesus has done for you? Sounds like a no. (laughs) Okay, we should never ever lose sight of grace. We should be people who live permanently from a place of God has come into our life, we're forgiven people, we've got purpose, and our greatest need has already been met. Uh, read recently C.S. Lewis describing what it's like to be, become a Christian. And he says, often in those early days, you feel like you're, you're a cottage 
And Jesus is coming in and he's making a few changes, little things. He's mending the roof so it doesn't leak anymore. He's putting the walls up a bit stronger. And you're like, yeah, that's good. Then there comes a time when he starts doing a bit of a shaking. He moves out a wall. He makes it wider. He puts the roof up a bit higher. You're like, what's going on? Do you know why he's doing that? Because our thinking is too small. Jesus hasn't come to make you a slightly better person. He's, come, he's not come to make you a little cottage. He's come to make you a castle or a palace in which the king of kings himself comes to live inside, works in and works through. First reason I want to encourage you to be people who make Jesus your greatest treasure. Let's be those who invite Jesus to meet our greatest need. But actually, also within that, I have to remind myself, I am surrounded by people for whom he is their greatest need. Now, I, I spend a lot of time in Cambridge, surrounded by people who have apparently everything in life, rich, successful. And I have to remind myself, no, 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 no. What they need, what you need, what I need more than anything else is to be forgiven and coming to a relationship with God. Now, as we come to the end of this kingdom series, can I encourage you, don't, don't lose sight of the things that we've been hearing. You know, Andrew's great message, David's last week. Let's be people who are front foot looking to do all we can to share the good news that Jesus has come to meet our greatest needs. Second reason. Second reason to make Jesus your greatest treasure. is Because Jesus satisfies our deepest desires. He satisfies our deepest desires. Let me remind you about the merchant. Uh, Jesus says this. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Just, just for a moment, imagine with me, if you will, that this merchant, here he is, he, he knows what a valuable pearl looks like. Okay, he spent his whole life looking for the most perfect, the most beautiful the most rounded, the most attractive pearl you could ever find. And you can almost imagine him. He finds one, he buys it, and it, and it kind of, it's, it's great for a moment, but then a few days later, it's like, no, no, no. It just hasn't quite met that ache deep within. And then one day, he comes across a pearl that's bigger, more beautiful, more perfect than any pearl that he's ever seen. And suddenly, in a moment, he goes... This is it. This pearl is greater than any other pearl I've ever seen. And in fact, in one sense, all of the pearls that I've gathered, they find themselves in this one pearl. And almost you can feel him going, I must have this pearl. I, I must get it for myself. Jesus is that peerless pearl. Do you know, he is the only one who can satisfy for all time the deepest longings of your soul. He's the only one who can actually give you, you know, right deep within that sense of significance that you've been made not by accident, but you've been made on purpose. That sense of self-worth that you are valued not for what you do, but for whose you are. Children of a king, sons and daughters of the Most High God. Only Jesus can meet that need. Only Jesus can meet your need for a sense of security, peace, within, regardless of circumstances. Jesus himself says this in, in John 7. He says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And he's not primarily talking about physical thirst. He's talking about that inner desire to find that which makes life worth living. 
It says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the Spirit. What does Jesus invite you and me to do? He says, come and drink. Come and drink. If you're thirsty, come and drink from Jesus. Now, what does that mean? When I read things like that, I think, what do you mean? Come and drink from me. What he means is come and absorb his goodness and his power, his greatness. Just just think of that merchant again. Imagine, if you will, what his house looks like after he's got rid of all his other pearls and he's just got this one. What do you think he did with that pearl? Do you think he hid it away? I think if you went in his house, what you'd notice is this pearl takes center stage. Everything in the whole house is built around this one pearl. So you can take time and you can look at it. You can look at it from different angles. And no matter how much you look at it, no matter how much you drink in, its beauty and its glory, there's always more to see. This pearl takes prominence in his life. If you spent time talking with him, it wouldn't be long before he'd be talking about the pearl of great price. Right at the center of his life, right at the center of his heart. That's what it means. What does Jesus mean when he says, drink of me? He means Put Jesus first in your life. Cause him to take center's place and then spend your life, the rest of your life, getting to know him. Gazing on his beauty. Coming to understand his perfection. Just, Just for a few moments now, I want to kind of before, if you will, hold up Jesus as the the peerless pearl of great price. Before, I almost want to kind of hold out before you different angles different aspects of his character. So you can, those of you who know him already, you can see him again. We're going to watch a short video clip that's about Jesus. Some of you will have seen this before. It doesn't matter. As Jesus said, come and drink again. You know, you, you almost get to the point where you could hear this again and again and there's still an encounter with Jesus. Just come and drink and look at the pearl of great price. Let's watch this. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. 
He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent and he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. Yes, he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! That's my king. That's my king. Amen. That's my king. That's the pearl of great price. And you know, we've just held up a little bit of what he's like. There's so much more to know and find out about this Jesus. And you know, when, when I watch something like that, I catch it. You think, how, how can I spend the rest of my life lifting up the pearl of great price before my life? Just listen to these wonderful words from Paul in Philippians. He says this, he says, Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. How how do you get there? How do you get to a place in your life where He is the pearl of great price. He's greater than any other pearl that you could own. Nothing matches him. You know, for me, it's critical that you and I, if you, if you want to grow to know him more, that you set aside time. How, how do you measure our affection for something? Part of it is measured by time. And often I, I, look at my, I look at my diary and say, if someone was looking at my diary, what would they say is important to me? Am I actually taking enough time to gaze, to drink from the one who is the pearl of great price? That's that's why we we encourage you, come to church. (laughs) Because it's good for you. How often do you find we have a time of worship? Well, what are we doing? As we sing out who he is, we're actually gazing on the great pearl. And as you do that, your affection for him rises. You know, for me, for many years, the the way in which my affection for the pearl of great price rises is when I spend time alone with him. Simple as that. Reading the Bible and praying. Uh, I'd say in the last 18 months, uh, I would say my affection 
for Jesus is higher than I think it's ever been. And that's partly because he's been teaching me. When I come alone with him, I'm not here to do some religious duty of ticking a few boxes. I'm here to meet with Jesus. To enjoy his presence. I often ask him, Lord, Lord, I'm not here just to read something. I want to meet with you. I'm hungry to know you. I want to experience you in greater measure. Here's the thing. Do you know, so often, why is it that we're scrabbling around in sin? It's because we haven't made Jesus our highest affection. It's because we're actually allowing other things to get in the way of Jesus. And we're actually finding satisfaction in them. And the goal is not, not, not just repent from them. It's get full of who Jesus is. Fall in love with Jesus. Become obsessed with him and everything else will then find its right place. You think of that. Think of the merchant with the pearl right at the center of his life. Let's be those who are asking Jesus to come and to meet our deepest needs. Third, third reason I want to encourage you to make Jesus your greatest treasure is because Jesus deserves our joyful, total surrender. Jesus deserves our joyful, total surrender. I wonder if you you notice when Paul writes, he says there's a joy about giving up everything to know Jesus. Did you notice with the two uh, men here, the laborer and the merchant? Let me read it to you again. It says, in his excitement, so important, he hid it again and what did he do? He sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. What about the merchant? When he discovered a pearl of great value, what did he do? He sold everything he owned and brought it. Now here's the thing. What's true for both of these men is they see something of great value and they realize that the only way, the only way they can have this treasure is if they go and sell everything they've got. There's no other way. They realize I can't have it incrementally. I can't have it gradually. There's only one way. It really is an all or nothing deal. Now, don't get this picture the wrong way around. (laughs) Do not think that they both went miserably back to their houses and went, oh no, I'm going to have to give up this. I'm going to have to give up that. I'm going to have to get rid of this. It's, It's the opposite picture. Jesus says, for joy. In their excitement, you th- think of the merchant. What's he doing? He's going, oh, I've got to sell this pearl. I've got this, I'm going to sell this pearl. Come on, the price is getting high. Yep, yep, yep. Yes, I've got enough. Now I can get the pearl of great price. Now I've got enough to go and get that. What, what is the laborer doing? You can see him skipping around his house. He's going, how can I get enough money to buy that field? Okay, if I sell my Phil Collins CDs, if I sell my Abba's Greatest Hits, LPs, if I sell my thimble collection that I've gathered from. And he's, and he's not going, oh no, I've got the He's like, yes, I've got it. I've got the lot. Now, now I can get the pearl of great price. Now I can get the treasure. What does it mean to us 2,000 years later to sell everything? Well, let me be clear what Jesus is not saying. What he's not saying is that you and I can earn our way into the kingdom. Okay, he isn't saying that we buy our way into Jesus' favor. He's not saying that when we sacrifice stuff, it makes him like us more. He already loves us unconditionally and passionately. No, it's, it's actually saying our sacrificing positions us to receive the greatest treasure. It's a bit like those of you who are parents. 
I wonder if, if when your children were little, little, you've ever had that thing where you want to give them something uh, of great value, let's say a pound coin, and they've got something of a lot lesser value. Let's say it's a 2p piece. And the little one's got their hands on it. It's like they won't let it go. What have you got to get them to do? You've got to get them to prize open their grubby little fingers to release the 2p in order to what? Get the value. Get the pound coin. That's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying you come open-handed to the king of kings. What does it mean to sell everything? It means I come to say, Jesus, you are my king. My number one. And I come with open hands, not with closed hands. It means to say, Jesus, you are king of everything. That there is nothing in my life. There is nothing that I've counted valuable that can compare to you. I'm making you my number one. There's nothing I have. Not my reputation. Not my sexuality, not my academic status, not my money, not my image, not my time, not my relationships. Nothing comes before you. And if I ever have to choose between them and you, Jesus, you win every single time. What does it mean to sell everything? It means to make Jesus our 100% king. Not 60%, not 90%, not 98%. But 100%. So actually saying, Jesus, you are now my king. Where you send me, I will go. What you ask me to do, I will obey you. Do you know, it should be normal for someone who's recently to become a Christian to find that there are areas of your life where there's a battle. It's normal. Because there's a new king on the throne. <laughs> and there's a sense of, are we going to bring un under his lordship and his kingship the things that he's putting his finger on? And I think for many people who've been Christians a longer time, the bigger challenge is, is he still number one? Are we allowing other pearls to take his place? I have to watch that frequently. Am I still making him my number one source of affection, my number one source of joy and peace before everything else? Because, you know, when you get him in the right place, everything else finds its right order. Everything else finds its right order. It's like get him number one, then suddenly all your relationships, your finances, everything finds its right place. It's an unconditional, Jesus, your king. You, you and I, if you're saying Jesus is now my 100% king, I can't say, I will obey God if. I mean, what's on the other side of that if? I'm basically saying with that, there's something more important to me, there's something more valuable to me, there's something more significant to me. No, it's giving him everything. I want to say to us, Kingsgate, let's be people who give him everything. Why? For joy. Not because we have to, not because we're forced to, but because we want to. And that's what's right at the core of what Jesus is saying. Uh, one man who embodied this call, one of my, my heroes, is a guy called uh, David Livingstone, great Victorian explorer and missionary. And he was often, he's a guy who left everything he had in the UK to, to go and be an explorer and missionary in Africa. People often said to him, well, you've made such great sacrifices. Here's what he said to Cambridge students about that. He said, for my own part, I have never ceased to rejoice that God has appointed me to such an office, such a role. People talk of the sacrifice I have made in spending so much of my life in Africa. Is that a sacrifice which brings its own blessed reward 
in healthful activity, the consciousness of doing good, peace of mind, and a bright hope of a glorious destiny hereafter. Away with the word in such a view and with such a thought. It is emphatically no sacrifice. Say, rather, it is a privilege. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, or danger. Okay, here's a guy who was chased by lions in following Jesus' plan for his life. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, or danger now and then with a foregoing of the common conveniences and charities of this life, may make us pause and cause the spirit to waver and the soul to sink. But let this only be for a moment. All these are nothing compared with the glory which shall be revealed in and for us. And he concludes, I never made a sacrifice. That's what it means to make Jesus your greatest treasure. When he gets that first place in our life, it's like nothing I can do for him compares to what he's already given me. As John Piper would say, to lose everything and get him is a happy deal. I want to encourage you to bring this message in this series to a close. I want to encourage you. Almost bringing the whole lot together. Make Jesus your greatest treasure. Not because you have to. Not because you're forced to but because you want to, out of joy for who he is. He's the only one who can meet your greatest need. He's the only one who can satisfy the deepest desires of your life. And he is the only one who really deserves our joyful, total surrender. Let me just pray for us. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you that this really is who you are. You are the only one who can meet our greatest need and satisfy our deepest desires. And I pray, Heavenly Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you open the eyes of our heart that we may see you and see who you are in greater measure and greater levels. Lord, I pray that right across the church, a new revelation of how wonderful you are. And Father, I pray for anybody who's never made you their greatest treasure. I pray that today, they would find themselves having stepped on grace, bumped into grace by accident, and it would be the single greatest turning point of their life. In Jesus' name, amen.